0: Hello and welcome to the Small Business School. My name is Craig Staley, 20-year retail veteran, e-commerce practitioner, and entrepreneur. Each week, I will interview a new small business owner that we can learn from to take our businesses to the next level. Now, let's go. Episode two of the Small Business School. My guest today is Vince Coleman, a leather maker and owner of Coleman's Haberdashery in Steamboat Springs, Colorado. In today's episode, Vince talks about how he turned a hobby into a business that turned a profit in its very first year. Vince also talks about his keys to growing his social media following from zero to over thirty thousand strong on Instagram. All of that, along with many other great thoughts and tips for small business owners. Let's get right to the discussion. I'd like to welcome my guest today, Vince Coleman from Coleman's Haberdashery. The first question I've got to ask, Vince, what is a haberdashery?
1: That's a great question, Craig. Um, a haberdashery actually depends on on where you're from in the world. Here in the United States, it's known as a men's clothier, an accessorizer, and can also be used as in old Western terms, uh, a sundry shop, if you will. If you're over in the UK, it's referred to as a hat maker and a men's gotcha. accessorizer.
0: So, so accessory of, of some sort, depending on depending on Correct. what region yeah. you're from. Um, so thank, thanks for coming on with us today. Um, really appreciate it. Um, can you start off by giving the listeners a little bit uh, of your background?
1: My pleasure, yeah. Uh, Not a problem. Uh, I guess a shortened background for me is I am a self-taught leather worker. I've been doing it now for five, going on six years. Uh, Just in the last three years, transitioned into doing it full-time. Before that, I was working in the hospitality industry for about 20 years. I'm based up here in Steamboat Springs, Colorado, and I specialize in American bison leather goods. They're all cut by hand, uh, stitched by hand, produced by hand by my wife and I, as well as three other employees.
0: So, uh, you know, you you said you worked in the hospitality industry. What got you interested in leather making? Uh, I think, honestly, what it is, is working with my hands.
1: I've always enjoyed working with my hands. It's uh, creating, you know, reverse engineering things. I was fortunate enough to have... A lot of engineers as well as uh, crafters, I guess, in my in my family through the years. So I've I've always had a deep love and respect for that sort of aspect of, uh, you know, making.
0: Did it start out as like a hobby at first or did you just say, hey, I want to start a leather goods company? It certainly did, yeah, it certainly
1: did. As, as a lot of great things do, they start off as hobbies. You know, it, it started off as a hobby. I was, I was trying to more or less recreate a wallet style that I liked that was more durable than I could find on the market. I was just dissatisfied with what was out there, and I think at that point in time, I had gotten some just some random, you know, like lit, random like second offs. Offshoot Mm -hmm. scraps from like a friend or something like that, you know. And I was like, I'm going to tool around with this for for the time being, create my own like you know rudimentary wallet, that sort of thing, and put it to use and and try to figure out how we can make it better, and then you know you know redesign it, make it better, redesign it, that kind of thing, and then you go down inevitably as a lot of I think a lot of small business owners they go from the hobby aspect Mm -hmm. to the small business, you go down the rabbit hole of like you know how 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 can I turn this passion of mine into like something that's profitable that I also still enjoy doing. So it kind of blossomed into creating accessories, you know, leather accessories.
0: Obviously you said you make, make wallets. Is there, what other, what other leather products are you making? We do. Yeah. So
1: wallets are, were the first item we started making. Uh, We've transitioned into, I I should kind of jump back for a quick sec. I do, I started the business actually is just going back to uh-huh. the Aberdashery aspect of stuff. I started it exclusively as a men's business to do just wallets and men's accessories. And then after about six months of being in business, we decided we were missing out on a massive market share as far as just women's goods are concerned, women's accessories. You know, and the, and the fact of the matter is, is men, men do not spend nearly the same amount of money on accessories and goods as women and a lot of times the
0: women are buying for the men too.
1: Yeah. Yeah, correct. Yeah. So we, we do like, I uh, to get back to your question, we, we do a lot of wallets. Uh, we've got, let's see, I've got five styles of wallets right now. We do women's clutches. We do women's crossbody bags. We do totes. We have men's hats. We have passport holders. We've got field notes, covers, uh you know long wallets short wallets we've got coin pouches keychains uh just recently with a lot of the the covid stuff that's kind of been going on we just introduced doing a western style bandana so it's like a you know it's like a form fitted you know over your nose like uh, tech tech material on the inside looks like a western bandana on the outside. You know, so it's uh, we do kind of a variety of accessories, if you will. It's cr- targeted toward mountain kind of. I, we say mountain lifestyle, I guess, like mountain minim- minimalist lifestyle stuff. But it's just supposed to be functional, durable. Um, you know, good looking pieces. That's so. great.
0: Um, one of one of the things I heard you mention in there was you use bison leather. Do you exclusively use bison leather or do you use other leathers? Correct, yeah.
1: We don't use any other leathers, actually. So bison leather or buffalo leather, it depends on on where you're from in the world, where you're from in the country even. Uh, it's kind of used interchangeably, but it's uh, we do use exclusively American bison leather. Everything is byproduct of the food industry here in, in the States. It's all tanned in the U.S., and uh, we do that for a variety of reasons. Most most Probably the biggest reason actually is the, the durability and the strength aspect of it uh, in comparison to bovine or cowhide. But yeah, that's all we use. Do you have any, as far
0: as durability goes, have any idea of how much more durable it is than, than cow leather? Probably depends on the grade. Yeah, so it it,
1: it, it, it does depend on the grade. Yeah, so we use, uh, kind of to back step a sec, we do use all full grain. Uh, so there are a variety of, if you guys want to, if anyone wants to check out the website, we have kind of a listing of all the stuff on the website. As far as grades of leather are concerned, there's a variety of grades. The stuff that we use is unadulterated. It's, uh, doesn't, it doesn't have any correcting on the grain. It's all
0: as natural as you can get and as durable as you can get. And then I noticed when I was looking on your website, you guys hand stitch everything you don't use any machines is there a reason behind that it seems like that would be tedious
1: it it is you know it it, it's laborious but it's one of those things that from the get-go it was it, it was something that we wanted to instill in our business model you know there are a lot of leather workers out there that elect to machine stitch there are a lot that do hand stitch as well as machine stitch and after hobbying with it getting into the leather leather making aspect of it, researching stuff, reading books, that sort of thing. We kept coming back to using the saddle stitch on it. So we use it what's called a double saddle stitch. It's actually the greatest, uh as far as tensile strength is concerned, it's the greatest strength stitch that you can possibly do. So it has a greater tensile strength than steel wow. does. Um you know, so we that was one of the things we wanted to integrate into our business model. There are a lot of leather workers that, that will probably disagree with me on this one as well, too. So there are particular machines you can get, leather working machines, saddle stitching machines, that sort of thing that replicate this same mm-hmm. aspect of it. Um and, and honestly, it's one of those things too that we feel being American bison, being American made, being an American small business we wanted to really hit it home with having something that was handmade. You know, it's not, I'd say we do as great of a job as we can hand stitching stuff. We also back the hand stitching with a lifetime guarantee on all of our products. Uh, No questions asked, you know, if there's any, any issue with the product, it's either replaced or, or repaired free of charge. Um, That being said, you know, it's, it's, I like the, characteristic aspect of it as well too so not just the durability but just having something that's made by hand and crafted by hand with love Mm -hmm. with intent you know it's it kind of really hits it home for us you know and that's one of the things that it's like i said it's we keep that as one of our core values as far as the business is concerned and continuing to hand stitch everything and it is laborious it does take a lot of time i mean i could i could blaze through stuff on a machine probably tenfold of what I'm doing right now at this point in time but it just doesn't it doesn't have the same characteristics the same durability and the same love put but yeah and it, I think for mind. the
0: customers I'm sure that having something that's hand stitched made by hand it's not just a wallet it's it's a conversation piece Oh, where did you get that oh you know I've never seen anything like that that type of thing you're right you're right you're totally right you know
1: and that's And kind of going back to touch it back on the bison aspect of it too, with using full grain leather. So because that specific style of leather is unadulterated, like it's not corrected as far as the grains concerned, uh, it does. We we do incorporate the range marks and the scars in the wallet. You know, so it's one of those things that, like, uh, you know, I can say I cut a number of wallets out of a particular Mm -hmm. hide. Each particular wallet, even though it's out of that specific hide in that specific color is going to be unique to the next one because it does have unique characteristics and I don't I don't like to use flaws. I think it's just characteristics really because it's like truthfully like with the scarring aspect of it where the scars are on the actual leather, it's the way skin heals, it's actually more durable in that respect where the scar is than it would be if it were just like an
0: uh unblemished, if you will. How do you develop your designs when you sit down to design a new a new piece that's uh that's
1: that's a great question actually we go through a series of of kind of trial and error you know i usually i i usually brainstorm kind of what we want to do you know it's like we're like i was telling you we're up in steamboat springs colorado we my wife and i both lead pretty active outdoor lives you know we're outside a lot we're always looking for something that's functional looking for something that's durable, uh, and can kind of potentially replace other product that's out there on the market. And I think that's the biggest driving factor for us, you know, is finding something that's functional, durable, and something that we would be proud to have in our, whatever it is, in our purse, in our back pocket, in our front pocket, our ski coat, our Jersey pocket, whatever, you know, I think that's, that's kind of the initial aspect of it is like figure out, figuring out something that, um, you know, maybe the customers or or guests and stuff like that aren't necessarily, you know, they, they don't necessarily know they mm-hmm. need it quite at that point or want it, but it, it fits like what, what they're trying to do. And then we go through a series of like kind of R&D, you know, we usually test something out like anywhere from like eight to like 15 different variations of, you know, is this functional enough? Is this the right size? Is this durable enough? Does this have the right closure? Does it have the right snap on it in, in the right placement? You know, like that sort of thing you guys just test um, it out
0: by using it yourselves give it to family and friends or yeah 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 just just the two
1: of us you know unless it's something else i'm 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 testing out if i'm testing another product at the same time i'll usually give some to a friend you know and say hey like run this thing run this thing through the ringer like let me know what's going on with it do i need to change this do i need to put Mm -hmm. another stitch here do i need to change this snap do i need to you know adjust it accordingly like probably just on just a lot smaller capacity, I guess, uh, uh, business-wise, uh, like a lot of like the R&D departments would do with like, you know, whatever, Patagonia mm-hmm. or Arcteryx or like something to that, you know, REI, that kind of thing. So, so I, n-
0: I noticed that you sell on a variety of channels. I, you've got a, a website, direct consumer there. Um, you've got a storefront, you yep. have an Etsy marketplace. Um, I think you told me you, you <clears throat> even do some wholesale um, how did you kind of grow into those different channels? Um, you know, why did you choose those channels?
1: That's a great question, too.
0: Uh, you know, I, I think a part of it
1: is organic. You know, part of it is just finding the brand identity, finding things that fit well with your brand. You know, I, like I said, I, I started off initially trying to do men's stuff. We transitioned into doing women's stuff as well as men's stuff. And it's kind of transitioned into more unisex at this point. We get a lot of people that do private label stuff, you know. So there's a variety of companies around the U.S. that we do private label for. Uh, probably one of the most recognizable, a lot of people I think on the on this podcast at least would recognize is Jackson Hole Resorts. Uh, we do some stuff for those folks as well. We're we're super pleased to get in with them this last winter season. We're looking forward to hopefully a busy summer season as well, you know and. You know, so we kind of have about four irons in the fire at this point in time. And with my goal, I guess, with the business initially was to have more online presence, you know, have more of that uh, you know, say like direct mm-hmm. to consumer, I guess, aspect of it, if you will. You know, and I think it's part of just kind of like uh navigating the growth of your business organically to a certain capacity, but it's also uh, being willing to change, you know, it's like being willing to compromise for the interim of, you know, so like, like you're saying, like we do like, you know, farmer's markets, we've got wholesale stuff. Like, so I'd say that kind of our four, more or less like our four streams of income. So we have the farmer's market, which we travel quite a, or I say farmer's market, like markets, mm-hmm. if you will, uh, kind of around the state of Colorado, New Mexico, Texas, Colorado, um, Wyoming rather We we travel like quite a bit in the summer months for that sort of thing. I do quite a bit of private label stuff as well. We also do wholesale accounts for brick and mortar establishments. And then I also have all of the online sales Etsy website stuff, you know, that sort of thing. So we've got a lot of, we've got effectively four irons in the fire at this point in time. And it's, I think the challenge really uh, uh, that we face is just trying to figure out like what the best, you know, what's, what's the, like any small business owner, it's like, what's the best bang for the buck? You know, like, is it, is it better for us to spend like an entire weekend or an entire week being gone to potentially drum up additional business and expand the market in that respect or is are those funds better allocated toward you know a Facebook or Instagram post or like advertisement mm-hmm. or Google ads or Yelp or however you yeah, want to take it there's a
0: limited amount of funds you got to find the right right yeah. spot for them what percentage of um your your revenue comes through each channel, would you say, if you don't mind me asking?
1: Not at all. Yeah, so uh, that's an interesting question. So with all the COVID funk stuff that's been kind of going around, a lot of the stay-at-home stuff, uh, brick-and-mortar establishments being effectively shut down for the interim, a lot of that wholesale aspect of stuff has really dipped off for us. Historically, that's close. You know, I'd say... That's in like the ballpark of like 35% Mm -hmm. ish. Like, you know, I'd say it's like somewhere in, somewhere in that range. Um, you know, as far as online sales at at this until the last six weeks, rather, I'd say that online sales aspect of stuff, uh, for our annual sales is probably the smallest percentage. So it's probably closer to like 20, Mm -hmm. 25%, something like that. You know, I'd say, like, uh, October, November, December, January, February are, are usually like our big, like pretty holiday season. And then, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like holiday season, you know, or, or Mm -hmm. like winter season, people are inside a little bit more often than they are in the summertime or spring and fall months. Uh, you know, so I'd say that's, you know, what, 25% forty. 35 to 40%. I and mean, then like, you know, the rest of the other stuff that we do, like the, the, the markets, if you will, you know, that's a, that's a good percentage of our, our income during late spring, summer, and early fall. Uh, that would say that's probably comprised of about like 40% ish, you know, and that's all kind of subject, subject to mm-hmm. change. Like as we grow the business, I'm trying to get more into doing online sales a little bit more into doing the private label aspect of stuff and a little bit further out of the consumer you know direct to consumer like sure. markets if you will traveling like around season. and, and so. doing
0: that part of the business Yeah it's it's a lot man it's a lot to be on the road for you know and, half and the year you have three other irons in the fire trying to manage while you're on the road Yeah
1: precisely and just precisely. just as a
0: point of reference for anyone who might be listening 2 years in the future uh, it's April 28th when we recorded this, so of of 2020. So we're kind of at the height of of the uh, COVID 19 stuff that's been going on. So um, one one thing I noticed, you have like 30,000 some followers on Instagram. How what have you done to to build your social channels? That's pretty impressive.
1: Ah, uh, thank you. Yeah, that's that's a you know, social media is a tricky one. It's, uh, it's fickle. It, you know, I did, uh, I think the, the biggest thing I could, the biggest nugget of advice I could give any small business owner out there that's on social media, whether it's Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or any variety of other platforms that are out there available is the consistency aspect of it. You know, like that was really that was really the biggest thing for me, you know, was, uh, doing, I did a couple webinars on stuff. I read some material on, um, you know, how to grow, how to grow good Mm -hmm. Facebook followers, good Instagram followers, you know, that sort of thing. The biggest thing for me at least was having consistency, you know, finding doing research and actually finding times, time slots, if you will, Every day of the week, because some of them differ, you know, uh, say, you know, from 5 PM to 6 PM works really well for this particular industry, Monday through Friday, that may change Saturday and Sunday, you know, and doing your homework and trying to find, find the best engagement aspect. So times, times
0: during the day to post. Yeah. Yeah. Like
1: times during the day to post and posting Mm -hmm. with regularity Post every single day post good content, post every single day, have continuity with your content, as well as also having links to other stuff that people mm-hmm. are interested in. And in, on top of that, engaging in other folks that are other small business owners, as well as, you know, stuff that you're in, in tune with, you know, so like hypothetically with like, you know, with our leather stuff, it's like we we follow the Red Wing boot stuff, you know, I follow a variety of other leather workers <laughs> that are out there. Uh, you know, like, it, it, it's an awesome platform, honestly, to see a huge, like a worldwide range of stuff that's uh, readily available at our fingertips, you know, and I think people underutilize the social media aspect of it, in particular, Instagram, a lot of people just flip through stuff super quick, you know, mm-hmm. like things, that kind of thing. But yeah, comment on stuff, you know, engage with them private message, people say, Hey, man, this is super rad. Like, how how can I get how can I bring it to the next level with you? like is there a way we could do like a live feed with you? Is there a way I can introduce your product into
0: our feed to some capacity? So what I'm really hearing is social media is is a lot about being actually social and maybe not just pushing out pictures and and you know kind of what you're up to that day you're 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 actually getting social with with other businesses and and with your customers. You're right. You're totally right. Yeah. It's uh as challenging
1: as, as challenging as it may be with, uh, you know, your spouses, it's one of those things that you, I look at it in terms of chalking it up to growing mm-hmm. the small business, you know, because there's no better platform than, you know, the social media. Uh, I, I just say Facebook and Instagram, because those are like the two biggest, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of people that use Twitter as well. There's kind of a resurgence with Twitter stuff right now. Uh, you know, on a worldwide capacity, I mean, you can hit people that are in Dubai to, you know, London to mm-hmm. Patagonia kind of thing, you know, where it's just like people are all over the world that are checking the, checking social media out, media platforms out to different capacities 24 yeah. hours a day. And, you know, it's, as far as free advertising is concerned, you honestly can't
0: cast a larger That's net in my mind. True. Um are there any tools that you'd recommend to other small business owners that you've found particularly helpful in your business?
1: Uh, yeah. Yeah. I would say, you know, get it, get a point of sale system or some sort of form of inventorying your items on the back end. you know, for, for us, it's a little different because obviously we've got like a tangible product, you know, like, other small business owners, you know, whether it's like face-to-face or like mm-hmm. over the web, that sort of thing. Uh, it's a little bit different, but I'd say like figuring out a way that, that you know, you have uh, something on the back end at least to categorize your product, skew your product, figure out a way to inventory it to where you can keep track of that inventory in a concise manner, I think is the probably the biggest thing, you know, what like you guys in, use? I personally like Square Up. I've also used, I've also tried Squarespace. I've also tried Shopify. Uh, we've kind of gone through a variety of different of mm-hmm. uh, different platforms, I think, in the since we started the business. You know, and um, as long as you're willing to put in the initial groundwork associated with getting the SKUs getting, uh, you know, all the different types of inventory, if you will, whether it's like different sizes of a particular item or mm-hmm. different colors or multiple different colors of like a particular size, you know, however it is, it's, it's a total pain, honestly, to get it started up and going, but it's going to save
0: you a lot of headache sure. in the long run. What would you say has been the biggest challenge that you faced in your business? And, you know, how did you overcome it? Ooh,
1: that's that's a challenging question. Maybe, maybe you're the in the most challenging part right now, right now. Like it's yeah, yeah, more or less. Like it's it, it it it's, but it's good. It's exciting. It's super awesome. I think as small business owners, it's a really exciting time. I think there's a lot of really great, you know, like pivoting as well as kind of just like transitions that go on at, in, in any kind of like any kind of like funky aspect of the, the economy, this sort of capacity. You know, it's like right now, all of the COVID stuff that's going on, like I was saying earlier, all of the brick and mortar mm-hmm. stuff's kind of been shut down. You know, it's like a lot of that stuff is, is, is transit. Our transition has been more to going on the online sales and that's really kind of the elephant in the room. It's a really, it's a challenging time, but it's also exciting because it's, gives small business owners an opportunity to kind of like reinvent the business, perhaps even mm-hmm. create new products to debut. You know, I know like we've we've created a few new products just out of the whole uh COVID quarantine aspect of stuff. You know, I'd say other challenges that we've really faced were I'd say just initially jumping off the, the diving board into small business ownership going you from know, a hobby and going from yeah, going from a hobby to, uh, you know, like I was saying earlier, like a lot of a lot of people start off with small businesses as a hobbyist and, you know, find something that they love. They want to, you know, they sell to a couple of friends or family members or a couple of people here and there. And they were like, oh man, I gosh, gosh, I've got like a really good idea. I could figure this, you know, turn this into a business model more or less. But I think that's the other like challenging aspect of it too, is like that initial leap into Kind of the Mm -hmm. uncertainty, or like you know, not having like a safety net, more or less. You know, like we're like our our business is very unconventional in a lot of respects, but um, like we didn't take out any small business Mm -hmm. loans whatsoever with the business, and it just grown the business organically over the last three years, which is at the end of the day, it's awesome. You know, it's like I feel super stoked. I'm I'm super blessed to be where I'm at at this point in time. But I'd say that's the other big challenge, you know, it's like just the initial like leap of faith into, you know, what whatever it is, you know, whether you're like a school teacher or like, you know, you know, any sort of like stream of income, if you will, to like just sure. unknown, I think is the biggest challenge a lot of business owners face. What would
0: you say is the, the best moment that you've had so far in, in your business's history? More on the positive side here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Uh, the best moment would be, I think initially like turning a profit, mm-hmm. you know, for like the first year, you know, I think that was like really, as you're probably well aware of a lot of small business owners for the first two years or more, you know, they, they're, they're in the mm-hmm. negatives. You know, I think that's a really, it's, and it can be a huge downer when you're at, at the end of the day, you're looking at the books and you're like, Son of a gun, like I got to figure this out, like how to make this work. That was, that was the most rewarding for me was looking back at the books on, on the end of the year, our first year in business and saying, Holy cow, like we've, we've somehow miraculously turned a profit, even though it wasn't like a, you know, even though it wasn't like a, you know, a huge profit, if you will. It's like, we've turned a profit the first year of being in business, which is unlike a Mm -hmm. lot of businesses can say there's a lot
0: of businesses that don't make um, it through the first year.
1: Yeah. So that's impressive. You're right there. Yeah. And there's a lot of businesses that go three or four Mm -hmm. or five years down the road and say, you know what, I've lost enough money after five years. Like we're closing our doors. And uh, you know, I just feel super fortunate. I mean, I I was elated at the end of the year, just to, just to, I think, you know, it was like a couple thousand bucks or something. like Uh, that. You you
0: knew you had something at that point, uh, at least.
1: Yeah. 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 We knew we had something, you know, and that's the thing, like, you know, going back to the R and D aspect of stuff is, is, is figuring out products that people can like products that are relatable to people, but it's like also something that they can conceptualize using on a daily basis, you know, and that's our biggest thing. It's just like, we would, we just want people to be stoked on products that they're going to, they're going to use daily and hopefully tell their friends and family about, I don't know. If
0: that's, that's the goal hope at least with
1: any small business. Uh,
0: so who, yeah. who would you consider a mentor in your life and, and what have they taught you? Oh, man. Um,
1: you know, I'd say there's a lot of other really good leather worker examples out there. Uh, Pop off leather is like a really good one uh odin leather goods is actually another really good one down in in cobble texas like those guys have done really well um you know i think they they've been inspirational for for me at least growing this business um you know i'd say i kind of honestly it kind of sounds cheesy but i was to say I'd, i'd use my grandfather as an example so he is like an old aeronautical engineer but he also uh it was just a good like Uh tinker, you know, like knew how to figure something out, like from the, from the back end of it, you know, like how to take something apart, rebuild it, how to like redesign something. you know, I think that's a, you know, it's simple, man. It's like, when it comes down to it, like leather working is, it's not a challenging thing to do. You know, it's like, it's in my mind, at least like, but maybe I'm built for that aspect of like the, the engineering aspect of it or if you will. But, uh, yeah, they've been inspirational for me. You know, I think it's, you know, those guys. And I look at, I look at just other outdoor, outdoor companies out there as well that are, that are doing stuff. Like, I I think it's like, there's a certain amount of inspiration I get from Patagonia from just an environmental Mm -hmm. standpoint. You know, I think that companies to that capacity, it's just, it's awesome to see what they're out there doing, uh, from just an environmental position, you know, it's, I think that's that's inspiring, in, in my mind, at least,
0: I think know. it's interesting that you so. you named a few people that that maybe you've you've uh, enjoyed their work from afar. You know, I I think too, like mentors don't have to be someone you you work with on a daily basis or talk to ever. Um, you know, you're you're watching them either online or reading their book and and kind of getting bits of information from them. So that's that's kind of cool that you picked out some people that that maybe weren't directly in front of you at all times and and teaching you and more from afar. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with it. You know, that's, that's the thing.
1: That's, that's the beauty of the small business thing is you can take inspiration from anything globally, you
0: know, things you read, things you see online, Mm -hmm. Instagram. (laughs) Uh, If you could get in a time machine today and go back to the day that you decided to, to, to launch your business and start doing leather making, Uh, for a living, what would you, what piece of advice would you give your past self?
1: I'd say the two nuggets of advice I would give myself would uh, touching back on the point of sale system and cataloging things. You know, I think that's a really good thing that I, I feel it took me a little bit of time growing the business to get into that aspect of it. And at that point in time, I felt like I was just inundated and overwhelmed with Trying to go back through all of our products, all of our inventory, figure out how much of this we had of that. How much, so, you were that literally kind of
0: counting stuff I'd at the beginning that, and, and saying, Oh, yeah, it looks like we got 16 yeah. of those and 25 yeah.
1: of these. Yeah. Yeah, li- literally counting all those out. You know, I think that's the nugget I would tell myself. You know, the first one at least would be to get that stuff set up on as far as the groundwork aspect of it is concerned. You know, get some sort of point of sale system, inventory, SKU system, like however you want to do it. Like I was saying, it's with each business model, it kind of, it kind of, you know, applies to each business model Mm -hmm. differently, if you will. Um, The second, probably the second like nugget I would have would just be the persistence aspect of it. You know, I think it's, it's one of those things like it, it was super rewarding for the first year to get a profit. It was more rewarding to get more of a profit Mm -hmm. the second year um but just having persistence with it you know and getting i think a lot of people get hung up on instagram followers and uh-huh. facebook followers and you know that sort of thing but it's it, it's getting out there meeting people talking to people one on one having the customer service aspect of it and that's maybe that's even a a third thing too is the customer service aspect of it i've come in from the hospitality industry prior to doing this i've always thought customer service should be probably number one, if not a close second to, to whatever the goods are or the product that you're providing, um, you know, customer service and, uh, yeah, the, the p- perseverance aspect of it, you know, I'd say like, you know, continuing down the road, if you got a product that you believe in that people around you believe in, and you know, you're turning, you're starting to turn a profit on it or you can see the margins on it makes sense. Uh, Pursue the mm-hmm. shit out of it. Honestly, it's just like, keep pushing, <laughs> just get after it. Yeah. Just keep pushing. I mean, it's like, you know, you look at, you look at folks like Jeff Bezos, you know, it's like he was, uh, and it's like a, maybe a crummy no. example for a lot of people, but it's like, you know, it's one of those things. It's like starting off a book company online, In his garage, like, yeah. this is ridiculous. You will never, you'll never figure out a way to do this, but he had persistence. You know, it's one of those things. Like you look at anybody that's innovated th- anything over the duration of like human existence. And it's like the persistence aspect of it is really yeah, and, the And biggest none thing. of it,
0: most people's success doesn't come overnight either. You know, I mean, Jeff Bezos started in what, 1997. Yeah. And yeah, now it's, yeah. it's one of the, or the biggest company or retail organization in the world, but that didn't happen in five years. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Because of yeah.
1: persistence, you know? Uh,
0: so the so last so, little thing here. Uh, where can our listeners find out more about your business?
1: Oh yeah. So if, uh, I guess first and foremost, it'd probably be Instagram. If you guys want to follow us on Instagram, we are, uh, my handle is steamboat underscore leather. So it's steamboat leather with a little underscore under steamboat and leather. Um, the website is Coleman's hab, which is spelled C O L E M A N S H A B as in boy.com. Um, you know, you can always reach out to us as well with the email too, which is Coleman's Haberdashery. I know it's a long one. Uh, So it's a C O L E M A N S H A B as in boy, E R D A S H E R Y at gmail.com. Perfect. And I'll make, Uh, but also I have that stuff. I was just going to say, I have that stuff listed on the, on the, uh, excuse me, I guess I do have it listed on Facebook as well. I've had face on Facebook, Instagram, as well as on the website too, as far as the contact. And I'll make sure to
0: link it in the Uh, the, the show notes too. So that if they, if they want to find it on the the podcast, it'll be right in there for them as well. So I really appreciate you uh, spending some time with me today. A lot of great information, I think. Thank you very much, Vince. Yeah, my
1: pleasure, Craig. Thank you very much for the time. I certainly hope uh, this helps out any of the small business owners and listeners out there as well, too. You know, I think it's uh, the biggest thing at this point in time, going back to the COVID stuff is just having the support aspect of other small business owners and other hopefully like-minded people. So well, I
0: appreciate it. Thanks, Vince.
1: My pleasure. Yeah, thank you, Craig.
0: That was great talk with Vince. A few things stood out to me. Vince talked about balancing his desire to increase revenue with finding the right sales channels that fit your brand. Sure, Amazon and eBay do have a ton of traffic, but if they contradict your brand promise or there's an online channel that just fits it better, sometimes you have to choose where to place your focus because there's only so many hours in the day. I also love Vince's attitude about the COVID-19 pandemic. It holds true for any time outside factors may be putting pressure on your business. Vince had a positive outlook. He didn't place blame on the virus or the government or any other outside factor. He flipped a negative situation on its head, looked at it as an opportunity to pivot and make changes to his business and grow. Really good stuff from Vince today. Appreciate having him on. If you found value in today's episode, please take one minute right now and share the link to this episode to a few of your friends or take a screenshot of the episode and share it on your Instagram stories. Be sure to tag me at Craig Staley and at Steamboat underscore leather. So Vince knows you enjoyed the interview. If you'd like to learn more about our guest today or be a future guest on the small business school, go to craigsdaily.com slash podcast for more info. And of course, it would mean the world to me if you'd click subscribe or write a review for the small business school in your podcast app of choice. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week.